Now moved ahead. In comes Tom to the check. Moved it, but he scores! Kill Thomas has given Taylor the lead. The blessed four minutes to go in the third period. Hey, it's Brent Griffiths along with Paul Almeida. Hey, we're changing the name of our podcast. Yes, Canada Fans World Junior Podcast. You like that? Yeah, well, it'll grow on me. This is the first one. You know, we'll be able to just uh, we'll be able to just hammer away at that. That'll be great. Looking forward to it. Well, this podcast, Brandon, is a little bit different than the other ones that we've done. Yeah, you know we we did the tour together last year in the Czech Republic, uh, 20 days or 22 days you were with us there. And a lot of people didn't know some of the things that you were going through until a little later when we got back and Marty posted a few things on our World Juniors uh, Facebook page. So one of the most asked questions I get and, and a lot of people stay in contact with us, as I'm sure a lot of people have been in contact with you since we've got back. Yes. Because that's part of the fun of going on these trips, is you meet people from all different walks of life, people from throughout the country. You make new friends, you stay in touch, and you look forward to the next adventure together. But the adventure that you had in the Czech Republic was a little different than maybe, well, I know it was a lot different than what the rest of us had in the Czech Republic. So first of all, I, you know, I want you to tell us, Bryn, how you were feeling before the tour because you knew something was up before we even left Canada. Well, in July, I was having problems digesting meals. It would take forever, which concerned me a little bit. So what I would do is, like most people in North America, I'd go down and I'd buy some Zantac. And I was popping them like candies to try to get my stomach feeling a little bit better. I bought something I'd eaten at 6 o'clock and at midnight, it was still there, still kind of stuck in my stomach. Now, little did I know in July, as I'm popping the Zantac, that by the time we get to the month of August, they've taken Zantac off the shelves yep. because they were concerned about it being something that could create a cancerous situation. Now, I'd approached my doctor in the month of September. And he says, well, we should get an endoscope done, which is a camera down your throat into your stomach to take a look. But we're in a public health care situation in Canada, so you got to line up with everybody else. The earliest we could get the endoscope done was going to be the following April. Wow. Okay? So I said, fine. In the meantime, my doctor, because he's very thorough, said, let's do a barium swallow test where you, you drink the worst milkshake known to man. Yes, my dad did one. And we'll take a look, see if we can find anything. We'll do a CT scan and an ultrasound. All three of those tests are not 100% on any level. The 100% is the camera down the throat. We couldn't find anything. So I just kind of figured, well, maybe it's just, you know, maybe something has just happened and I'll kind of, it'll wear off. Yeah. But by the time we got to November, I had to make a really, really tough call. And that was, should I be going over to the Czech Republic, if I'm not feeling 100%, what if something bad happened to me while I'm over there? It's a 22-day stay. 
Like, what should I do? Well, my doctor and I had a long discussion, and we sat on it for about a week, and he decided, well, you know, we're not seeing anything, and if you feel pretty good, then you should just go. So I was happy to hear that and made my decision to go in the middle of November. I didn't want to just, I didn't want to disappoint you because you and I had been talking about this for months. And so uh, I packed everything up and away we went. And I, really, when I look back at the, the buffet breakfast we had, we're very similar in so many ways in terms of diet. We'd have our bacon, our eggs, bratwurst, because there's bratwurst at every meal. And, uh, but the one thing I was having trouble eating was toast. Okay. So I couldn't have any toast, but the juice and the coffee, everything was great. And I also found that in the afternoons, as we get closer to dinner time, I was hungry, but I wasn't as hungry as I should have been. And all the way through that entire trip, I found that I was eating a nice, good breakfast in the morning, but I was eating less and less during, during the day. So my energy level was starting to diminish. And uh, by the time the tournament was over, and our particular group, we went and uh, we hit uh, Salzburg and into Munich. Yeah, Chesky Krumlov, Salzburg, Munich. Exactly. I, uh, I realized something is not right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I still distinctly remember we had a lengthy delay in Amsterdam uh, before the flight from Amsterdam to Edmonton. And I was thinking a lot about the fact when I get home, I got I to gotta do something. I can't just keep going like this. So maybe what I'll do is I'll throw the visa card down and I'll try to pay to get a private company to do the endoscope, which I found out in Alberta, you can get an MRI done or a CT scan privately, but you can't get an endoscope done privately. So anyway, on the flight back, uh, the eight hours on that flight back, constantly in my brain, I was thinking. That's a lot of time to think. It is, and I had an opportunity to ponder about the fact that when I get back to Edmonton, the following day, I got to get a hold of my doctor. And uh, so we, we had a conversation, and I think I got back on like a Thursday. Mm-hmm. The following week, I wasn't feeling very good at all. And uh, I remember I went up to uh, the bathroom one uh, one afternoon, it was a Saturday afternoon. Like I said, this is probably about 10 or 11 days after. And I collapsed. And uh, I realized something was not right because, and I, I, don't want, I don't want to get super specific, but my stool was black, which is an indicator of internal bleeding. Yep. And it was intense. And it was also part of the reason why I blacked out. Now, two stepsons. I don't know how one of their doors had to be open. Usually they're gaming with the doors closed yeah, and everything like that. They're all different worlds. Lori was upstairs in, the, in the, the master's suite and he had the door. She had the door closed and was watching TV. But one of the boys had his door open and the dog was upset agitated. over something, yeah. agitated. So they came and they found me in the bathroom Man. and uh, called the ambulance and I was taken to the hospital. And it was determined that they suspected a bleeding ulcer. Well, okay, great. Well, now here I am in hospital. I'm going to overnight, and they're going to fix the problem the following day. So uh, so I go into this. Uh, it's day surgery, basically. 
So I go in and they uh, put me out. And when I wake up, I see my doctor, Dr. Schiller, who uh, was fantastic. He says, well, we fixed the bleeding ulcer part, but there's a problem. The ulcer is on a tumor in your stomach. And we've done a biopsy. We'll have the results in a couple of days. So I had to hang around the hospital for another three or four days while we waited. And the results came back. I had stomach cancer. Well, that takes the wind out of you pretty, pretty much. I would say. And I'm just so thankful I was able to get back to Canada to find out yeah. what the problem was. And uh, so well, eventually. You were proactive when you got back too, Brent. Yeah. Well, I realized, as I said, on that flight back, I realized something is not right. I got to get going here because I don't want to wait any longer. Yeah. And through the, those months prior to the event, I, you know, you think about things like stomach oh. cancer or different types of cancer. Because when you get older, it's usually one of the things that always pops up for a lot of people, sadly. Anyway, so uh, a month later, we had me booked to go in for surgery to have my entire stomach removed because the tumor was up so high that there was no saving my stomach. So what they were going to do is attach the bottom of the esophagus with the top of, uh, of the rest of your digestive tract. So they're removing your stomach. So they're stretching these two pieces together, putting a stent there, stitching it up, and you would have to live the rest of your life without a stomach. And I remember hearing that at the time, Bryn, that that's what the procedure that they were going to do. And I'm like, that's impossible. You can't do that. I know. Most I people have never heard of that before in my life. Most people said, how do you live without a stomach? Well, you can. It's a holding bag yeah. to get your digestive system going, but you don't necessarily need it. But it does change the way you eat. Now, prior to going in for the surgery, uh, a very good friend of mine is a psychologist, uh, Dr. Gans Ferentz in Edmonton. He was helping me mentally get ready for the surgery by doing positive visualization. Mm -hmm. Another good friend of mine, Darren Drager from yep. TSN, he and Ray Ferraro do a great podcast and they had talked to Dale Howardchuk about a week and a half earlier. When they were done, they, the podcast, Darren's thinking to himself, I need to get Dale to give Bryn a call because Dale has also has all of his stomach out. Yep. He's eight months ahead of Bryn. So if Bryn might have some questions, he can ask Dale Howardchuk. Which, uh, so it was set up that way. Well, I talked to Dale one day before my surgery. Dale was a Hall of Famer in the National Hockey League. Great hockey player. But what I completely forgot about was that he's also, a, he was a solid coach in the Ontario Hockey League. Well, he was coaching me. One, he texted me, said, have you got some time to talk? And, Absolutely, call me right now. So he phoned, and I figured, well, he'll give me 10 minutes of his time. That's all. Like, yeah. We talked for over an hour, and he was able to walk me through what he'd gone through. And uh, it meant so much to me, and it was coming at just the right time. I was flying high going into that surgery. It was an eight-hour surgery at the hospital, but the problem that I had developed off of the surgery, man, I'm doing a lot of talking here. I'm sorry. No, that's, this is what we want to hear, Brent. I, I, uh, the stent, I had developed a uh, chest infection, mm -hmm. and they weren't sure I was going to make it. Yep. There were two or three nights where they went, the doctor said to my better half, Lori, I, I just, I can't tell you if he's going to make it through the night. 
So I was pretty drugged up in the intensive care unit at the Royal Alexandra Hospital here, and which was weirdly enough the hospital I was born in. And going into surgery, I, I thought, and it's the only time I went dark. I thought to myself, okay, I started here. Am I going to end here? Right? See, oh, and I laughed because that's my nature. It's the circle of life. Brady. Exactly. But anyway, I wasn't aware. I was so doped up. I had no clue. And I was in hospital for almost seven weeks. I thought I was only in hospital for two. When I met up with my doctor in the summer and I was talking about, oh, you know, time flew by, but... but it's, he started to recognize that nobody's told him about how close he was to going. Yeah. And he, he said, how long do you think you were in the hospital for? I said, well, I don't know, a couple of weeks. He says, you were in for seven weeks. And it was during the COVID crisis, so I couldn't see my family. Well, that's the other thing is Marty and I were talking or DMing back and forth about how you were doing. You know, Lori was contacting him. He was letting me know. And, you know, we had a chuckle. We said, leave it to Bryn to escape the COVID crisis that we're all going through, he's just going to sleep through it. I, I, I was well drugged. Let me put it to you that way. In fact, I was totally convinced at night in the ICU unit that when it got dark and the nurses were on the other side of the glass, that they were running a casino yes. back there. <laughs> and not, and not, not only that, now that I found out that they're running a That's casino right. there, they're never going to let they're- me out of here. My dad had a similar experience I told you about is my dad thought that they were trying to kill him and he was drugged up the same way as you for quite a while in there uh, after having a procedure done. And uh, yeah, he was totally convinced that they weren't going to let him leave there ever, that they were going to try and kill him. And uh, yeah, we got a couple of calls that, uh, you know, there were some things going on at the hospital because he was acting a little weird. I, I fell into that category. In fact, I had to be for two nights. I had to be tied and restrained. Yeah. Now I'm claustrophobic. If I wasn't drugged up, just the thought of that would have flipped me out. Anyway, I survived all of that. I got through all of that. A lot of it was great support from family. Yeah. Unbelievable support from friends, not only in the broadcast business but the hockey business. I got a lot of text messages and emails from our people who had come over on the trip and just wanted to pass along their regards and for speedy recovery. And I'll never forget that. And I just want to say, Bryn, I saw a lot of that outpouring of support on Twitter and other avenues. And to me, it's, it's a testament to the type of person you are that so many people remember uh, how you interacted with them, how you were with them for many years, even many years ago, that they all made sure that they reached out to you and and let you know how much they support you during the the entire, you know, event uh, where you were trying to really battle for your life. Yeah. And, you know, just, it, it was overwhelming really for me to even see. And it's a testament to the type of person you are that so many people hold you in such high regard and, and, and really care and love you so much. Well, five weeks after the surgery, get another text message from Dale Howardchuk, checking in to see exactly how I'm doing. And we communicated and shared some jokes and that kind of stuff. And uh, and then a few months later, I sent him a text message because I'd seen him on an after-hours podcast with Scott Oak and Louis DeBrusque. said, hey, I think you're looking great. And I never got a response back. 
and I had heard rumbles yeah. that maybe his cancer had come back. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how bad it was, and I still remember sitting out on the back deck, and I got a text message that Dale had passed away, and I cried on the back deck because his him reaching out to me, and, and I'm getting a little emotional right now, him reaching out to me meant the world to me and was so powerful that and the support of everybody else i i really believe that all of that powered me to this right now they did a a full body scan a few months ago because we were thinking of doing chemo there's nothing to do chemo to they can't find any cancer anywhere however in the back of my head dale's uh, situation looked like he was recovering and then he got tapped on the shoulder again by cancer for the last time, in the back of your head, you always think to yourself, okay, they're saying that I'm doing okay, and I feel really good. It's great to be back podcasting again, but in the back of your head, until I get through another year, I, I don't think I'm completely over this, and will I be tapped on the shoulder again? I might be, or I might not be. You want to share, Bryn, what a drastic weight loss you had from, let's say, before we went to the world juniors to after you came out of the hospital sure i uh in the july before we went away i weighed in at 273 pounds which my doctor and i were worried about worried about for my ticker yeah my heart i should never have been that heavy but you know i like i like meals what can i tell you so i went from 273 by the time I returned home from the Czech Republic, and I ate well. Yeah, you, I mean, I did notice, let's be fair, you know, we would do our podcast in the evening, and I would always ask you, what do you want, Bryn? You know, I'll get some pizza or some wings for us to have after the podcast is over. And I did notice as we went through, your appetite did wane quite a bit, and as you mentioned, why already? Yeah. But, uh... Well, the other thing is we're doing walking, we're moving. I, I we burned a lot of calories. Right? Yeah, exactly. I was down to 200 pounds, so I dropped 73 pounds from July until when we returned. Incredible. 73 pounds. That's an incredible. Then you go through the process having your stomach removed, and you're lying there in hospital for seven weeks. And uh, I bottomed out eventually at, at 138 pounds. So let's let's do the math. That's a lot of weight. I lost a jockey. You, you went from 273 to 138. That's basically it. Half, basically. Yeah. Half your weight in less than a year. And I was told going into the surgery I was going to lose another 30 pounds, which I, I did. But that's a lot of weight to lose. And now they've tell, t- told me that I might be lucky to get back to 180. I'll never see 200 pounds again. But uh, what you lose is you lose weight and you lose body mass, like well, weight, body mass, yeah, muscle body mass, mass. is a big one. And, yeah. you know, maybe share a little bit, Bryn, you know, the last uh, few weeks since you've been home, you've gained a little bit of weight back. Um, I have to say, you know, we visit with you once a week, Marty and I. And even in the short time that we've been doing these little visits where, you know, for the people that are listening – you know, we, uh, Marty always brings a guest. To, uh, a to surprise meet, guest a surprise for our guest coffee day. From, from your former days in radio or TV or whatever the case may be. So, uh, 
you know, uh, just to uh, uh, come and talk and, and share stories with you. And, you know, it's been good for all of us, really, because it's been good for Marty and I just to see you and your improvement. That's, you know, made us feel good. And I'm sure for you, it's been good in terms of seeing some of these people that maybe you haven't connected with in a while. And maybe they just recently connected, uh, you know, due to your illness, just to see how you're doing and, and, you know, to give you well wishes. And all the way through this, I continue to get emails from folks that were on the tour. Yes. And it just means the world to me. I just can't, these are people that I, I just met and hung with over 22 days or less. Yeah. And they've been kind enough just to send me a, a little note that's the kind of stuff that powers my engine. That's what's got me to this point. And now we're back. And now we're starting to focus on the next World Juniors, which is coming up. It's here. Yes. In Edmonton and Red Deer. It's going to be different because there's not going to be anybody here. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that coming up in a little bit. But it's been an incredible 2020. I thought was going to be a fun, exciting year. And it has been one of the most challenging years with one of the darkest periods of my life. Those seven weeks where I couldn't, I couldn't hold the hand of a loved one in the hospital because yeah. they weren't allowed in. Yeah, I mentioned that, Bryn, that you were in that room by yourself. On my own. Nobody could come in there, sit with you, hold your hand, talk to you, you know, reassure you, uh, give you support. It all had to be done from behind a glass. I was in my own bubble, so to speak. Yeah. For that time, and it, so I, I think my perspective has changed dramatically. But yeah, I was just going to ask you how how has your perspective changed from before going into the hospital to now when you're back home, you're you're starting to regain strength, you're starting to put on a little bit of weight, and and you're starting to get back into you know a little bit of a, a normal regime in your life. Well, I think one of the things that you have to do is you have to Make sure that you're happy with where you're at. What have I done? We're downstairs in my little studio space now, and I did a collage. Do you want to describe that better than me? Well, I think we should take a picture and put it up on the Facebook page as well. But it's, okay. it's a tremendous little collage you have here, Bryn, with a lot of your media, media accreditations from Super Bowls, Grey Cups, Stanley Cups, you know, uh, business cards from when you worked at various radio stations, when you worked for you know, the Oilers and, and other hockey teams. It's just, it, it's really, you know, something that you look at and say. I've done pretty well. You've done a lot and you've seen a lot, which, you know, is important. And it's important to look at those things and say, there's more to do. Absolutely. The yeah. biggest thing now for me is, from a career standpoint, I don't have a lot of bucket list things. A World Cup of Soccer is still there. I've always wanted to go to Wimbledon. And I'm trying to think of a few other things. I'd love to go have to you a been co- to the Masters. I have not, and that's another one that's on there. Kentucky Derby is one that, that it, has one. been fascinating to me. I don't have much left of that, but when you're thinking about your life and moving ahead, could it end tomorrow? Sure, it could. But from a career standpoint, I can't complain. No. So now the goal is, I'd like to get another five years to focus more on my family. I'd like to watch the 13-year-old in the house here graduate from high school. I'd love to watch the 25-year-old in the house here get married and have kids at some point. It's, it's always amazing, Bryn, that it takes going through something like you went through to put these things in perspective as to what is really important in our lives. 
And sometimes we lose focus of what's important by, you know, chasing this and chasing that and chasing this. And I mean, it's a lesson to all of us. It's a, a lesson to me. It's a lesson to, you know, hopefully the people that are listening that uh, you never know. Absolutely. When the time comes, you know, you, you just, you never know. And it could happen to any of us at any time. And you have to cherish the people that you, that you love, the people that you're, you know, closest to. For me, like I said, it's the amount of people that you've interacted over the years, Bryn, that still, you know, wish you well, stay in contact with you. And, and really, we don't have a, a perspective as we go through our daily lives of the number of people we touch along the way. Let me finish off with this. One of my favorite movies of all time, it's a, called a Christmas movie, but it, it isn't really. And it's, it's the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. And George wonders what life would be like if he'd never been born. And he's given that opportunity by Clarence, the, the, angel. the angel in waiting. Yeah. And that movie just rings so true with me is that we don't know, and this, this applies to everybody, it's a little different when you're in the media because you're broadcasting to somebody's breakfast table or maybe you're on the evening news doing sports or whatever. But each and every one of us touch somebody's life in a different way. Uh, there's, uh, there's a book and now I've gone blank and if I spun around and took a look at my bookshelf, I might see the book here and of course I can't. But uh, it, it, it talks about it talks about how we just by the way we go through our lives, how much we can impact other people's lives in a positive manner. And sadly, sometimes in a negative manner. Absolutely. So the key for me has always been just to try to try to leave people feeling better uh, after they've had an exchange with me. And so uh, I, I love that movie. That movie is like right up there for me because I think that that's a very accurate assessment of where all of us are or should be in life. Well, Brent, I want to thank you just for sharing everything that you've gone through with us, uh, with the people that have been on our tours. I'm sure that they now have a better perspective of maybe what you were dealing with while you were over there and some of the challenges that you had and also the challenges you had when you got back and, and you know, how you over, overcame it. And uh, I'm just so, so glad to see you the way you are right now. And we love you. And, uh, we hope that uh, we have many more adventures ahead together. Well, we're going to be doing that, baby. And once again, thank you to everybody for your support because it has meant the world to me. And now we just move forward and focus forward, and that's that's our next podcast. That's right. Come All right. Soon. Okay.